everybody. Welcome to the Flexible Dieting Podcast. I'm Joe Klimczewski here with Kevin Brunacini and Austin Kiergaard. And today we're going to talk about what is flexible dieting. I think before we dive too far into content and topics, we need to lay out some definitions. Always a good idea for uh, any any intellectual endeavor. But I will say this is something that has been so normalized that a lot of people now are looking way back into the history of how this kind of started. And there was there there has been flexibility discussed all the way back probably to the 50s or earlier. And that was even one of the uh, method principles of Weight Watchers. Like here are points. Those points equate to certain foods. And so they're doing some math. And then when I came along in the early 90s and said, well, hey, wait a second, they're making these nutrition fact panels, the law of the land. And being a pre-med physiology allied health student, here, here are macros. I know why we need them for different things. My my pre-coaching days were right at those starting blocks. So I created macronutrient tracking with that specific methodology in mind. Now, of course, it has scattered in all kinds of directions through at least one generation. So I'm very interested to hear you guys in how your, your concepts have evolved. But I'll say I'll say it right now as a definition. This is what I stand by. Flexible dieting is eating the foods you want in the amounts you need to stay aligned with your health values and goals. So that said, Austin, uh, as uh, somebody who's in the dietetics field, and you've got that academic background, as well as a bodybuilding and coaching utilitarian background, how do you see the etiology of flexible dieting and its formation and where it has gone today? Yeah, that's a great question. My my background is I found out about flexible dieting back in 2009, 2010. Um, and I learned exactly how you said, how, how can we uh, fit foods in that we enjoy that allow us to kind of meet our, our, our physical needs essentially. Uh, but after uh, going through school uh, and learning more in dietetics and background, it shifted um, because I work with a lot of bodybuilders, physique athletes, barbell strength athletes. Um, and it's amazing on how many people end up hitting their macros, but they also lose out on more of the, the micronutrients. And again, maybe this is the, the dietetic side of me. So my, my methodology and my shift with flexible dieting is making sure that any client I work with, they do fit the foods that they enjoy, but it's after they've checked the boxes, they got their three to five fruits and vegetables in, and then they've gotten their fiber goals met and they're making sure they're eating protein from lean sources, not just, you know, relying on protein bars. Because I think when the big boom of flexible dieting came out, it was like, oh my gosh, I can eat a pop tart and lose weight. Well, that's true. But, you know, again, what do our lab values like looking like, you know, what are, what, what's the insides going on? Like, it's great that we can enjoy those things and I'm all for it, but uh, what else can we be doing to make sure that we're creating longevity to this while still eating the foods that we enjoy? So that's kind of where, where I had found out about flexible dieting, taking my education with what I have learned in school and kind of now shifted to kind of combine both of those things. And I think that's an exact evolution you should have because I've had to try to nudge the industry back to what you said. In my definition, it's the foods you want, the amounts you need to stay aligned with your health values and goals. 
I hope your health values are really high. I hope your health standards are high. So you want a good amount of those foods. And and Kevin, being a doctor of nursing practice and a professor, I know you have to care about those things as well, but you're also somebody who's lost more than a hundred pounds in your life and you've kept it off. So you're also very big on this has to really work in my life. This has to be practical. So I'd love to hear how you have seen things change and, and what, what you've personally maybe tweaked in your own application of flexible dieting. I made sure to write this down so I wouldn't lose the thought, but uh, without really reiterating what Austin has said or what you have said, Joe, because I would agree on not only the clinical applications of those principles, but just obviously the personal ones as well of how, you know, it's one thing to eat a Pop-Tart, but there's also the other obvious principles and pillars of healthy nutrition. That's, you know, lean protein sources, unsaturated fats, fibrous carbs, simple carbs when appropriate, et cetera, et cetera. You know, those fundamentals should not change. But when I was dealing with with obesity and, you know, through a four-year process of of actively losing weight, um, there were certainly cliche to me embarrassing at the time, or in retrospect embarrassing, but there were there were cliche diet methodologies that I followed just because I didn't know any better. And they served its purpose, but it didn't stick. And you know, my focus uh, when I look at how I evolved has always been on a internal motivator perspective. So if I if the flavor of the week was keto, embarrassingly, if it was keto, then I knew or and and I would have these remarkable binges. I would internally like, is this really serving me? Is this really helpful? Is this help? Is this really the best for my health, for my for my values in terms of credibility, integrity, excellence, et cetera? Is this simply sustainable? And the answer is no. It's at least it's not it's not realistic to have an eating disorder or to have disordered thinking with food. So I knew that I had to change. This was not a methodology that I could practice and stick with. So that has and that's one example, but other examples are similar in the sense of it would be taken to the extreme of having some type of binge eating or some disordered uh, perception about food, that methodology had to change because that's not serving me. And that has always been my underlying tone of how I've evolved and now what I currently do and have been for seven, eight years, at least very consistently. It's just flexible dieting in the sense of what we've all defined it as is eating what I want with the appropriate context of my goal as long as my health values and health parameters are, you know, fulfilled or met. Well, I think, I think Austin going to have a lot to say about this as well, because of the, the changes you get academically, when you really get into all the different population groups that you, you may have not considered, but that's, that's what I love about flexible dieting. And at the core of flexible dieting is you can't be flexible if you don't have the structure in place from which to be flexible, that being macronutrient tracking of some kind. And so, like you said, this is a methodology. Every other diet schema can become a, a, a useful tool or at least principles from those. So I have clients of all kinds of different demographic needs and goals and preferences. So can I be a little bit higher in fat, lower in carb with some, because that's just part of their preferential food source selection? Absolutely. Um, have I personally experimented with 100% keto? Absolutely. Have I done vegetarian experimentation myself? Absolutely. Do I also have clients who are vegetarians? Absolutely. 
So those are all tools that we can use and still incorporate the objectivity of macronutrient tracking and the, the basic principles of structure and flexibility. So Austin, again, you know, knowing that you, you had this great personal experience as, as an athlete and a bodybuilder, and then you went to dietetic school, I, I would, again, love to hear how maybe you have expanded in your use of all of these different methods to incorporate at your disposal. Yeah. So, um, not to kind of repeat what you were saying either, but I mean, kind of, I guess my thing is seeing where people are at, um, because flexible dieting is, it's a great methodology. Uh, but we, it, it works best when you find out where the individual is at, are they a vegetarian? Do they function better on higher fats? Like I've had a lot of my female clients, especially after going through dietetic school, just seeing how, um, like healthy, more mono and, uh, polyunsaturated fats can be really helpful for like hormone production. Um, and I've had a lot of females um, just switch over to more of a, a higher fat, maybe moderate to lower carb diet because we needed to get their hormones back into check. And then after such an extended period of time by doing that, their hormones have now been shifted into normal levels. Uh, so again, it, it's, it's making sure that uh, I wasn't focusing on flexible dieting as like, it's only this way. It's using the methodology of flexible dieting around the individual situation. Um, because again, you might have a vegetarian, someone that prefers more fat. Um, there's another whole stretch of people that have limited income. So that's a thing too. And how to make flexible dieting work with people that I've worked with where they're scraping by just to work with coaching because they want to like lose weight. So it's really hard for them to go eat high end fancy type of traditional health foods. So how can we make flexible dieting work within a flexible income? You know? Uh, so, I would say it's allowed me to be more cultural, culturally aware of people's situations. How can we make flexible dieting work and uh, making sure that it's getting to their goals. And again, um, after learning more about lab values and the importance of nutrition internally is how can we make sure that that's a key factor? Cause while everybody maybe wants to lose weight and build muscle um, that's stuff that we can see that's stuff that we can visually see we can't visually see what's going on on the inside until we start getting lab work done, which is another thing I try to advocate for a lot of my uh, clients, whether it's a bodybuilder, a powerlifter, the soccer mom trying to lose 30 pounds, get your lab work done. Make sure that when you're going through this transformation, things are staying within a normal range. And if not, let's catch it early so we can make the necessary adjustments and work with your physician to, you know, stay on track. Awesome. And and maybe as just a way of closing us out, Kevin, uh, when you think of sustainability and that, of course when I was also a college, talk about flexible income and those kind of needs, Austin, one of the exact driving forces of why I created flexible dieting was I was a poor college student also getting ready for bodybuilding contest, trying to follow these diet plans as written in magazines. And I thought, I, I can't get all this food. I can't eat chicken six times a day. So I was really looking for a way to, to be flexible also with a budget. So, uh, Kevin, how do you feel as a as somebody who provides for clinical needs in nursing practice for the the true sustainability? I mean, do you do you find yourself pushing clients into different directions, or how do you even discuss that this this has to be part of your repertoire for life? Well, I think we'll help frame and answer this is taking um, some of the concepts from evidence based practice, which. You've talked about one of them already, Austin, that is patient preferences or client preference, but you know, we all have preferences nonetheless. That's one principle we have to uphold when, you know, when in a relationship like this, then you got, what is the clinical 
evidence? What is that, or what is clinical evidence in terms of the client or patient status? What's going on that we need to fix, solve, etc.? And then you got what is the medical literature? What does say? What does it say in terms of what is best practice for whatever is going on given the circumstance? And you know, when it comes to sustainability, to me, that's you know it's oversimplifying the answer of what, you know, what, what does it take to, uh, to reach sustainability, but those pillars in a nutshell need to be respected and understood in our role as health scientists and clinicians is to inform. It's not our job to direct or course or to for, for it's not to make clients, patients do this just because we said so, but it's a matter of here's the pros and cons of decisions. Here's what the evidence says. Here's the context of your circumstance, et cetera. We have to have that conversation and they ultimately make the decision what's best for them. Hopefully we've helped enlighten what may be going on, but that's how it should clinically should be approached. But sustainability in that same light needs to be seen and respected in that way too, because sustainability may shift based on where the context is, or maybe you do want to lose weight or gain weight for whatever reason. And therefore the nutrition needs need to adjust accordingly. And that's where flexible dieting is practical and realistic because it's just when you want it, as long as the health values are fulfilled and understood and respected and not taken out of context or inappropriate, given what the push may be. So well said, and and such a million new topics to discuss as you guys bring these things up. So good, good thing. We will do that in the future. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Austin. We will see you all next time in the Flexible Dieting Podcast. Mm-hmm.